Why, hello, boys and... <coughs> hey, everybody. There's no live Jim and them this week, but there'll be bountiful joys on the podcast feed. So if you're not already subscribed, make sure you subscribe to the feed. There'll be stuff being posted all week. Uh, first up for the Halloween season, I checked in with an actual ghost hunter. Ghost hunters bullshit, I hear you say to your radio. Nuh-uh, uh-uh. Uh, come along, hang out. We have a discussion. We go over some stuff. We go over some haunts. And make sure you're, like I said, make sure you're subscribed on the feed because there'll be some other stuff from the other ghosts of Jim and them. I mean hosts. Matt Warner, paranormal expert slash ghost hunter extraordinaire. Now, do you, what is the preference there? Do you, is it like if someone calls you a ghost hunter, is that like a, a slant? Is that like a slur? Well, you know what's kind of funny about that is is you you do have those people like the industry itself. I, it's fun. I still find it funny calling it an industry, but it really is because there's a lot going on with it. But I mean, some people frown on being called a ghost hunter, and they prefer the more you know stuck up paranormal investigator. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't care either way. I'm just out there to have a good friggin' time and try and find ghosts like everybody else that does it. So either or works for me. Well, yeah, and I mean, it, it is funny that like you you say that like it, it, an industry. Um, how do you? Well, actually, I mean, before we get into how do you get into the industry, is there some sort of catalyst? Is there stuff in your history, like growing up, having like occurrences or whatever that guides you to something like this? Well, I mean, for me personally, and a lot of people that I've talked to, like I, I just grew up. I mean, I can remember being you know, four or five years old and seeing Ghostbusters for the first time. And, you know, growing up with that stuff, I always loved horror and horror movies and scary shit and like I mean, you remember you know, Unsolved Mysteries and Robert Stack's scary-ass voice introducing yeah. the yeah. show. And I just always was fascinated by it. And growing up, I did have a couple of occurrences that, you know, were unexplained. And as I got a little bit older, I had, you know, random things happen here and there. And But as I was growing up, I didn't really have anyone that had the like-mindedness to it. So I didn't really talk much about it because no one was into it. So I just kept it to myself. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we both grew up in New England, and I mean, there's obviously a lot of folklore, a lot of history, a lot of woods that you go out to in the middle of the night to drink or whatever. So, I mean, is it that? Like, you're just getting spooked out in the woods, and that kind of draws you towards it? Well, you know, it's you know, it's funny about that is, like, speaking of going out in the woods, I mean, I'm sure you've been out to plenty of rippers out names Noel back in the day, yeah. and I will say, like, now knowing what I know that could be out there, potentially paranormal-wise... I cannot believe we used to go out there and party in the dark because that place is spooky as shit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, is there anything, is there like a particular story from uh, like growing up or before you were like really involved in the industry? Yeah, I mean, so, so the, I would say like the first earliest memory I remember having of like a spiritual type of thing was, I don't remember how old I was, but I know I wasn't, I wasn't like 10 yet. I was probably like eight or nine and I had awoken in the middle of the night and my bed was on the same side as the door going out into the hallway and the door was mostly closed and I opened my eyes and I saw something kind of floating behind the door looking towards me. It was, it was more like a shadow but it was only at the second half of the height of the, the wall so there was no like legs to it. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, you know, I didn't really know what it was. To this day, I don't know. It could have just been one of those like sleep in your eyes types of things so I don't really, I, I kind of take that with a grain of salt. 
But as I got a little bit older, I mean, I had another experience when I, I moved into a different bedroom in the house after we had done an addition. And uh, I was in bed watching TV. And I was flipping through the channels. And I, on a channel I stopped, it was like a, um, a head. And it was all silver. And it was in the bottom corner of the TV. And it was staring directly at me. Now, it kind of reminded me of um, John Beyond, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Just the head. But it was all silver, like metallic silver. And the TV wasn't directly in front of me. It was off at an angle, but the head was looking directly at me. Like the people on screen were doing their thing, looking the way they would. But And I changed the channel and it stayed there. So I turned the t- friggin' TV off. I was probably 15 when that happened. That was when I started to realize, all right, maybe I, I noticed things that I shouldn't notice. You know, most people are too busy in their day-to-day lives. And that was when I started to really, really uh, get into it a little bit more. Oh, wow. That's 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 fucking uh, creepy. Um. So now, now, like, what is the next step then? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that have little, like, was that, did I just have an occurrence or they scare themselves or something happens the bump of the night? But what's, what, how do you then get to the point where you're, like, investigating this stuff? So for me, my story's a little, a little bit uh, luck of the draw, chancy, you know, good, right place, right time, but. I always watched all the shows. So as soon as like Ghost Hunters came on, I was involved. With, I was into Ghost Hunters. So I've been watching the shows for as long as they've been on. And besides the sheer entertainment value of them, you actually can learn a lot on how to investigate and how to look for signs and see if you are crazy, so to speak. And so I used to watch all these shows. And my girlfriend is actually the one that started Paranormal Expeditions about eight years ago. And her and her group were on Ghost Adventures Paranormal Challenge, and I happened to see that episode. And I was like, oh, they're all local girls. That's pretty cool. So I'll follow them all on social medias and what have you. And I've been following her for years. And then a couple of years ago, she wound up asking me out. Hmm. And then by default, I got to be in the group. And now I'm fully thrown into the mix and learning from all the people that are on TV. I know a lot of them now. And it's funny because I'm on the same level as them. And we're all just out there trying to do the same thing and just find evidence and support each other and see what we can find now i mean uh don't think this is the wrong way but i guess apparently you were like a ghost groupie then <laughs> is that what you're telling me <laughs> i'll straight up i was a fanboy i was i was a fanboy that was in the right spot at the right time and i and the thing is i still am like we'll go we do a lot of conventions that uh locally and we're working on branching out and hitting up other parts of the country but when i get to meet these people that i watched on tv for years you know yeah we're on the same level playing field but i still kind of like geek out a little bit inside it's like oh shit i get to you know i get to meet grant wilson earlier this year and super cool dude and just it's really nice to see these people in person and have conversations with them and have them be regular people that's that's pretty cool man but yeah i mean we we do have to uh call out your game then because man to go from ghost groupie to a relationship slash on the team that's mighty impressive my dude Oh, hell yeah, dude. It happened overnight. And I was like, yep, this is how it works. And I like that's a little anecdote I like to tell people because it's like I started out like I go to these cons and tell people I was like I was no different than you a couple of years ago. Now here I am. So just keep doing your thing. It doesn't mean you're going to, you know, get into a relationship and get in that way. But just keep following the path and what's meant to be will be, so to speak. Well, and I, I mean, you mentioned Ghost Adventures. And I mean, I guess if if your girlfriend was on that show. Uh, Zach Baggins is quite a character. Um, that's putting it nicely. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, I mean, uh, I, I don't want to like cause any, any beefs or anything, but I mean, uh, actually, you know what? That's a question we always ask people before I get into my comments. Let me ask you this question. We ask everyone that comes on the show, this question, who are you beefing with? 
Uh, you know, like on a personal level, I don't beef with anybody because I still consider myself pretty new. But I will say like within the whole industry, there's this bullshit that everyone calls para unity. And there is no such fucking thing as para unity within the paranormal. Everyone wants to praise it and say that, you know, you're helping me. I'm helping you. It is literally like I tell people, it's like being in high school all over again. It's a popularity contest, a pissing contest. Who's got the biggest dick? Mm -hmm. it's mind-blowing and and i love i've met so many cool people made a lot of friends but i will say like there's days i'll go on facebook and i'm scrolling and you know fucking joe blow is trying to present this as evidence and it's clearly not evidence and it it gets old it really does get old but i'm not i don't have any personal beef with anybody nobody's pissed me off yet i'm sure i'm gonna piss off a lot of people by speaking truths to you but that's what it's all about like i kind of likened it i was telling somebody recently that like for me, like I love magic and you're out in Vegas. You, you guys got magicians everywhere. Like oh, yeah. being yeah. in the industry now, I started as a fan. It's kind of like if I got to meet Chris Angel, and he let me in on his secrets. I don't think I'd like magic as much. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm at with paranormal. And I've become more and more skeptical of people and their, their thought processes as I get into it because a lot of people are just trying to sell tickets to events, trying to sell books and what have you or whatever their agenda is. doesn't necessarily mean – that they don't believe in ghosts, but I think a lot of these people are stretching the truth. Actually, that's that's super interesting, uh, and it makes complete sense because, well, I mean, I love the angle that, yeah, it is like high school, like, and that's kind of, you know, as you be, get older and older, you realize, like, everything's like high school, so of course you have your different factions and your popularity contest, but especially in an industry like this, it's got to be so tempting to you know fudge things up a bit just to get some shine or basically make clickbait or get some clicks because you know rather than doing it the real way uh maybe we can fudge this a little bit and get some hits on our video or on a picture or just on our facebook group or whatever and and it happens all the time i mean i i haven't seen anybody clear-cut bullshit evidence in front of me but there's a lot of people that i've met and that i know that I firmly believe they believe themselves, but it's like anything. You tell yourself a lie enough times, you're going to start to believe that lie. I think mm-hmm. that happens a lot more than than not. And like when we do investigations, we do a lot of events and private events, public events, what have you. And I always tell people like the only thing I'm going to promise you and guarantee you is that you're going to have a good time with us. We're going to have fun. We're going to show you some techniques. But it isn't like watching a 45 minute episode of Ghost Adventures or Ghost Hunters. Yeah. Yes, they'll be at, an, uh, at a location for three or four days, sitting in the dark for 12 hours a day, getting jack shit. And then, you know, not to pick on that show particularly, but I'm sorry, you don't get class A EVPs and fucking scratches and movement and phantom spirits. You don't get all that stuff. You'll be very lucky if you capture anything on, on any sort of footage. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I was going to kind of talk about with Zach Baggins, because, I mean, what's great about him, and I mean, I love to watch him because... He he's likes, entertaining as hell. Yeah, he likes he likes to try to, at least in some of the ones I've seen, like antagonize the spirits and yell like, go ahead, scratch me. What are you going to do? Uh, and kind of be a bro tough guy about it. Uh, That's actually gotten him blacklisted from a lot of locations. Yeah, I got to wonder because, I mean, I guess if you're on TV, you got to play the part a bit. You got to uh, get the audience in somehow. Uh, but, yeah, that's why I was like, oh, this Zach Baggins guy. I can't imagine people are proud of him. Yeah, and... and- that's that's the thing. Like I'm 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 not jealous of anybody in the industry. They're just all right place, right time. I enjoy his show for the the sheer uh, entertainment value of it. I don't believe much of it, quite honestly. 
I'm more envious that they get to go check out all these cool-ass places because I'm just as into the architecture and the history of a location as I am of the potential ghosts. Yeah. And it's just, like I said, those shows put a lot of false hope in people. And, and I think that's what most people don't understand is when they come out and do an event, they expect to get scratched and pushed down the stairs and all this other stuff and have their name whispered in their ear. It just doesn't work that way. So now when you say events, do you mean you like take people to some of these locations? Yep. Yeah, we do. Oh, okay. uh, uh, let's see. This year we went and we did a, uh, a team challenge event down at Lizzie Borden's house of Fall River, Mass., which uh, Lizzie Borden was accused of murdering her father and stepfather with an axe. Most people know that little nursery rhyme, especially from around the New England area. But yep. uh, she was acquitted. You know, a lot of us don't believe she did it or if she did. She had help. So that's one of those lifelong mysteries. And so we did an overnight event there. We have another location that we work with closely in Middleborough called the Oliver House. That's in Massachusetts also. But we, yeah, we do, uh, we've, we've had a, quite a bit of convention appearances. There's uh, a lot of paranormal conventions that happen if you, if you look for them. Before I was in the industry, I didn't know of them, but they're everywhere. Yeah, I did. I saw you posting about the Lizzie Borden house. That looks super interesting. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the Oliver house? Is there like a legend or something tied to it? So the cool thing about the Oliver house is it's actually it was built pre-Revolutionary War and it's still standing. And what they the town of Middleborough has embraced the fact that it has its haunts and its spirits living there. And all the events that they run within the town, they actually do a Middleborough paranormal convention. All that money raised goes to restoring the house period specific and keeping it as a historical building, which I really appreciate. And it's run by some great people, but the house itself was built in, I want to say 1767. And some of the history there is that, um, I believe I, I could be wrong if it was Paul Revere and Ben Franklin. I know at least one of them has been to that house when they were obviously alive. And the person that built it was a judge, judge Peter Oliver. And he was actually a sympathizer with, London and in England when we were fighting the Revolutionary War and then after we whooped their ass he actually went back to Canada and then fled back to England and just left his house and and took off so he was trying to prevent our soldiers from fighting in the Revolutionary War so it's kind of interesting and there's actually a hidden compartment in that house under the stairs where they used to hide slaves so it had something to do they used it with the Underground Railroad during those times and a lot of history there that's yeah that's always interesting because I think I even remember like some of the houses in like our neighborhood where we grew up, you would hear stories that there'd be weird hidden compartments and hidden rooms. Um, so that gets pretty spooky. Uh, now, um, as far as like, you know, you see these shows and stuff like that. Like you said, you can kind of learn a bit from watching, you know, Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters or whatever. Uh, now, the equipment and stuff they use, like... Do you know, do you learn, I mean, obviously you must learn a little bit more about it now that you do it. Is some of it kind of BS stuff? Is there more advanced things that you don't always see in the shows or things you didn't know about until you started going on some of these uh, trips? There is a lot of stuff that is coming out now. I've actually met and become friendly with quite a few people that actually build and design their own software and devices for detecting things, which is really interesting to me. I can't do electrical shit so i look at these components i have no idea what they are but um watching the shows you learn about the basics there's a lot of basic things like an emf detector which emf is electromagnetic fluctuation which basically just measures electricity in the air which can be paranormal most of the times it's not most of the times you'll find that there's electrical wires behind the wall or there's a power box above your head in the wall in the ceiling and what have you so it's a good way to kind of 
debunk what could be paranormal. One of the theories is that a high EMF, like if you're standing down by like your fuse panel in your house, that gives off a high EMF just because all the juice is coming in that way. If you're around a lot of EMF, it can cause hallucinations and it can cause you to think you're seeing things. So that's why a lot of times we try to debunk with things like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of other stuff like uh, there's a lot of apps out there that people use now. Uh, a lot of spirit box apps. Echo Vox is a really popular one right now, which the Echo Vox is an app based version of a spirit box. And what that is, it's basically a white noise generator. It's almost like what it is when you take a picture when we used to have old school radios and you'd turn the dial to go station to station. It's something that just constantly scans like that and doesn't stop on a station. And the theory is that spirits and ghost energy can manipulate that and pull words from it as a word bank and kind of respond to you. We've had good responses with it. We've had a lot of stuff that I think is bunk. Again, it's all theories. Like it's, that's what's cool about the industry. It's all theoretical. Yeah. No one can prove any of this. No one's you know, said, hey, I got a ghost in this box and shown it off. It just is what it is. But it's it's a lot of fun. That's if, if you can separate the pissing contest and just enjoy it, it's enjoyable. Well, it sounds like I mean, you mentioned debunking a lot like uh, I guess it's good if you have that mindset. You want to kind of rule everything out to make sure whatever you might find is legit. Right. Absolutely. And when I first started, I liked to believe everything. But then as I started doing it more and more and a lot of people rely totally on the equipment. I used to love the equipment. My favorite piece is the Ovilus, which the Ovilus is a uh, – it's basically – it's a handheld device. There's an app for it too. The app works pretty well as well. But it's uh, it's basically a word bank and it's got a little over 2,000 words in it. And how it works is it reads energy in the air, turns the energy into like binary code like the series of ones and zeros and then it will spit out a word or a series of words if you're asking questions. Now, I've had really good responses that make total sense, and then I'd say 80% of it makes no sense at all. Yeah. And I used to love playing with that because, you know, it would speak with inflection. So, if, you know, theoretically, if like, oh, there's a ghost here, you know, are you angry? It'd say mad. You know, it would talk funny. So it would really – it's exciting to use, but at the end of the day, I don't know how well it really works. So as I've gotten further into this, I kind of get away from the equipment and go off my own feelings and my own senses. I tend to – disappear on investigations and go off by myself so I can just listen and I'll sit and just use a little voice recorder and just record and ask questions and see if I can get anything that way. Um, but I feel like too many people are relying on equipment and equipment can be, you know, who knows if it's, if it's true or not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you start talking apps and stuff like that, you never know if there's some funky business going on behind the scenes. So I kind of like, uh, what, uh, kind of your, uh, what your, way of going about it now so do you get scared as fuck or what <laughs> you're just not scared anymore or what happens when you go on when you, know, you go off by yourself that it was like i used to watch the shows obviously and i'd watch these shows i was like there's no way in hell i would do you know x y or z but when you get out onto a location wherever it may be your adrenaline overtakes the fear uh that's not to say i don't still get scared because there's been plenty of places where i've i've gotten scared um, or where I've had to run down some stairs or up some stairs out of the basements or out of the attics because I have felt you know something that I didn't want to feel. Uh, but I try – like my whole thing is I, I've always hated basements for whatever reason. Mm. But I like to force myself to go down into basements by myself in the dark and sit for 15, 20 minutes, kind of acclimate, see what happens. Sometimes I last. Sometimes I kind of just say fuck it and leave because I don't like it. But uh, I don't get scared as much as I used to. It, it, it is totally different. Um 
my first real investigation that I did was at Waverly Hills down in Louisville uh, for my 35th birthday. I went with a, a few group, a group of my friends and my brother, and I rented the entire place so that we had it to ourselves overnight. And it was just five of us. And for anyone that doesn't know Waverly Hills, just research that place. It is literally one of the scariest places in this country, if not on the earth. And I love it. I was just there last weekend, went through for their haunted house and all that good stuff. But they had a huge tuberculosis outbreak, which the hospital was then transferred into. And there's rumors of more than 6,000 people died during the tuberculosis outbreak. And because of all the bodies that were turning over, they had a near 500-foot tunnel that went down the hill towards the railroad station, the railroad tracks where they used to bring supplies up and down a little trolley cart. They wound up using that to ship the bodies out because there were so many bodies. So they affectionately call it the body shoot now. And my first challenge to myself was to walk down the chute by myself in the dark, which I did. It bugged me the hell out, but that was my, my icebreaker. And then since then, I've been kind of okay with stuff. Jesus. Yeah, because I'm I'm, re I'm looking at pictures now, and I'm reading about the, uh, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. And it's like, yeah. holy fuck, dude. But, you, but I love that you're like, you know what? Let's rent that bitch out. We're all going. We're hanging out. Now, we're, like, if you brought people with you, were they kind of like, nah, fuck this. I don't want to do this or what? Well, that trip I put together and I kind of was like, listen, this is for my birthday. Like anyone that wants to come, this is what we're doing. And that's probably why it was only a few people, but everyone that went wanted to do it. We all had an amazing experience and none of us had ever ghost hunted before. So it was really, I mean, what better way to pop your cherry than going to one of the best places on earth for ghosts? Yeah, man. Wow. That's fucking crazy. Uh, now, so does this, like we were talking about equipment and stuff like that. Now, with your, uh, I mean, actually, the, the name of the group, uh, Paranormal, I'm sorry, I thought I Expeditions. had it. Expeditions, yes. I don't know if we've, we've yeah. said that yet. But yeah, because you can find, you guys are on like Facebook and stuff like that. Paramount, Paranormal Expeditions with an X uh, instead yes. of EX, correct. Uh, but now, so does that. Uh, we're everywhere. I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, just saying that we're on all the social medias. We're everywhere. Now, we're talking about equipment. Now, do you extend that to like a like a medium or like a psychic or anything like that? Uh, how does that work? Now, we do have a, a psychic that works with our group. Um, she's an official member. She's just taken some time. So she's she's what she does so much activity. Her name's Lucky Bell Camino. She's amazing. Um, and she is really in tune with stuff. So we do use her. We brought we've gone on investigations with her. Uh, we have one that we're trying to plan uh, at a cemetery up near her in Princeton, Mass, uh, that she wants to go check out. So we should be doing a uh, small episode up there at some point. Um, we actually have her Paranormal Con next weekend in Keene, New Hampshire that we're going to be doing. That's October 13th. or It'll be the previous weekend when you guys on the podcast hear it. So sorry. You'll have to look up for the pictures. So now how does that work? Like, uh, is it just kind of like, I mean, I guess kind of what you see on TV where it's like they get a feeling in certain areas or try to guide you a bit? Yeah, it's exactly like that. Uh, it's I, I don't know if she considers herself more of an empath, a person who just feels, but she's very in tune with things. I don't know how it works because I don't feel I'm very psychic at all. I feel I just I'm just here trying to do my thing. But we're all supposedly have some psychic abilities. Some are just more in tune with it than others, and she's really in tune with hers. She's very spot on with her feelings, and she's able to go into a room and kind of read the room totally different than a regular person, I guess. Mm. Now, um, I don't know if this is just like horror movie cliche stuff, but is there ever any thought, whether it be, you know, you or if someone is, like you said, if she's an, like more of an empath or like a psychic, 
that this stuff kind of follows you home at all? Like, is there ever when you have to, when you get back from being at a place for a long time, you feel like you have to like get the darkness out or something? That that's called a spirit attachment. That's happened to all of us. That's happened to me more times than I'd like to think. Uh, I didn't know about it at first. Like for instance, when we first did Waverly, we, we did the overnight and then we went basically from the Waverly Hills at like four in the morning, we went to the airport and flew home. By the time I got to the airport, I had what I would basically describe as like walking pneumonia. I was so sick and I was sick for days afterwards. And then what I was thinking about it a little bit more, it was a tuberculosis hospital. My thought is maybe a spirit attached itself to me. It was like, Hey, this is what it felt like when I was dying. I'm not a hundred percent sure if that was the case, but that was one attachment. Um, well, yeah, it's almost like, uh, oh, hey, you want to have some fun? Here, here's here's the real fun, you piece of shit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and I had the, the worst one I've ever had was we went to we had an event at uh, Rolling Hills Asylum, which is up in uh, upstate New York in East Bethany. And um, we had a convention to go to out there. We did an investigation that night. The thing was, we did an investigation. It was like a public event with with all the people that were at the concert. It was really loud. There was people everywhere. And same thing, I'm trying to do my own thing and disappear on my own. And I was just in like a foul mood about being there with all these people. So I didn't at the time think I had much of a good time. And we were driving home. It was like an eight-hour ride home for us. And I was just a complete asshole to my girlfriend for no reason, for days. And then it's kind of like being on autopilot. And like not you don't even want to be around yourself. You're just like, oh, God, what is wrong with me today? And then the fog lifts, and you're like, "Holy shit! What was going on the past few days?" That's exactly what it feels like. We also in the we also refer to it as a paranormal hangover because it's exactly what it feels like. Yeah, I guess it's just kind of being around the vibes and uh, the environment. Do, spirit energy really does take energy from you as if you were a battery, especially when you walk in there with that mindset, like, "Oh, come touch me," because we do that. You know, you can use our energy. And it does sound like a bunch of bullshit, but they do. Like, it, like we leave and we're just exhausted. It's like we didn't even do shit, you know. Like I'm a caffeinated person. I'm drinking rock stars at two a.m. trying to do this stuff, but I can go right to bed because I'm so drained afterwards. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess so. It sounds like you're kind of just hopping from old mental asylum to old mental asylum. Uh, I, I get. I was just looking it up real quick, but I guess they did tear down the Danvers State Hospital. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Session Nine. Session nine is one of my absolute favorites, dude. Like we got to see, I, I got up to Danvers before they convert. It's been converted into condos, so they oh, kept. Oh wow, weird. They kept the main building, the main Kirkbride building, with all the nice steeples. That's still there, but now it's condos. Um, but I was able to see the the grounds before they tore it all down. Uh, I never got to go in. There's still a few. I mean, Massachusetts was loaded with um, asylums back in the day. Most of them are gone now because you know, obviously for bad reasons, they were up, but. You know, you get a few uh, shitty vandals that ruin things for everybody else, and they say, well, we can't keep it here. we got to tear it down. So they're yeah. hard to come by. But places like Waverly, Rolling Hills, the people that buy these know the history. They know what they have, so they keep them for people like us and other people that just like history in general that want to go see them. Yeah, because even if you take out the paranormal aspect, yeah, there's just the historical site and what can be learned from that in general. Um now, your what are your thoughts as far as being to some of these locations and like investigating them? Now, just because they if they tear down the Danvers State Hospital, but then build condos, assuming that there was like some bad energy there, does that stay in the location or what? It sure does. So it sure does. I I don't know. I I know a person who knows a person. You know, one of those stories. But yeah. I know someone that knows someone that lives in one of the condos in Danvers and. 
they said it's wicked active in terms of um, spirits and things like that. And I truly believe that there's the, the cemetery grounds are still there on the hill. So all the bodies are there. There was a lot of unmarked graves that, that are still there somewhere. And just because you tear a building down doesn't mean that you're going to destroy the energy that's within it. And a lot of times that pisses them off more. Yeah. Uh, yes. Kind of like it was that. Like there was Poltergeist Part 2 where they, they built over everything and they just totally went haywire. But that's that's a very common thing to have happen. Yeah. So it's almost like, oh, I got these uh, this new, you know, fashionable condo, except it used to be on the location of an old uh, mental asylum where people were like tortured and died here. So uh, maybe read your history books, people. Yeah, exactly. You got to know what you're getting into for sure. Now, I mean, there's people like me that love that. I'd love to move into that place. You yeah. know, the, my, my apartment's got enough haunted shit in it for, for now, so I don't need to go seeking it out, you know? Yeah. Now, um, does any of this tra- does this translate into, like, are you a religious person or have you found people in the industry are religious or is it more just like a standard spiritual thing? It's pretty low-key in terms of religious. I haven't encountered a lot of, like, you know, Bible thumpers, I'll call them. Yeah, uh, we, we I have I have a few friends that are uh, pretty religious. One's a demonologist, and he's pretty legit, and he's you know, he's a god man. I myself, I don't I don't really buy into any of that stuff. Like I'll be honest, I I, I frequent the Satanic Temple in in Salem, Mass. I'm all about those dudes. I'm not a full blown Satanist or anything like that, but their belief system is not much. They, they have what's called uh, tenets, which are basically our te- you know the Ten Commandments. Basically, in a nutshell, they're just out there doing their thing, but they get a bad rap because people hear Satan and they think it's all this awful stuff. And it's kind of like Waco Christians. They were out of their friggin' mind, like the radical Muslims. They're out of their mind, but it doesn't make all Muslims bad. It's the same with the Satanists. They're just misunderstood. Yeah. I don't, like I said, I'm not, you know, I'm not out in the backyard, you know, bloodletting to Lucifer or anything <laughs> like that, but I gear myself more towards their belief system than I would uh, typical Christians and things like that and Catholics. And, and it, I just I do my thing. <laughs> well, that's funny because, yeah, I think when you say when you say something like, you know, I go over to the, you know, Satan Church in Salem or what have you, people just in their mind, they're picturing you going into a cave and there's fire and like someone has a, you know, a, a, a goat skull on their head or something like that. But it's probably just what you going into like a regular house and everyone's just kind of watching the office or something, huh? Basically, what the Satanic Temple is, it's a uh, they have um, a Baphomet statue, it's like an eight and a half foot tall statue of Baphomet, and Baphomet is their, um, I don't know if it's like the right wording, their god that they pray to type of deal, but it's a deity that was brought about during the Knights Templar, and it was what they, and again, I don't think they prayed to it, it was just their symbol, and they so the Salem, the Satanic Temple in Salem, which is the world headquarters of it, they have like art installations in there, and they'll do. They do a lot of charity work with children, which I think is fascinating because, you know, you, you like, again, you think these awful things about these people, but mm-hmm. they're, they're just another free, free to be religious group that gets shit upon for no reason. But yeah, the temple itself, it's not like, you know, with church pews and stuff like that. It's an art gallery. You walk in, you see some works of the Baphomets and some different viewpoints on things and they have literature and they have history, you know, historical artifacts from you know, the birth of Satanism and all that good stuff. It's an offshoot of the actual Satanism that was um, created uh, back in the day. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hmm. Now, um, the thing I've always tried to look into uh, going uh, going back to Massachusetts and going to, to 
like the Halloween festivities in Salem. But then I always see that it like you need to be booking it like now. You mean you need to be like booking it now for next year. Um, like, uh, yeah, have you got- absolutely because there's one hotel in Salem, the Hawthorne, and they book out a long time in advance. Yes, the Hawthorne. Yeah. So now have you checked out some of the locations? Over, I mean, obviously, I guess you have if you're going to the uh, Satan uh, uh, church over there. Yeah, we've done it. We've actually done a lot of events in Salem as well. Um, we've done we did uh, the Salem con back in April was at the Hawthorne Hotel. So that was all the big names in the, in the industry. And that was my first time going to the Salem con. But that was a great time. We've done investigations at uh, a little off the cuff on our own at the uh, cemetery that's there where all the witches, the supposed witches were buried and where they still are. We've done, uh, and you know, they have the witch museum, the house of the seven gables, all that history that happened during the witch trials back in the 1600s is all right there for everyone to soak up. And it is really a magical place this time of year, but it is so chock full of tourists. You literally can't get around. Mm. The end is nice. It's, it's fun to do, once but now like us like as regular folks within the area we go all year long and avoid it during october for that reason oh yeah yeah now i i assume they do i mean they do some sort of like haunted house type stuff there uh you know for halloween and for the tourists and stuff and you mentioned that waverly hills kind of does like their own haunted house as well now how do you think that affects like if there is like a spiritual entities there is that kind of like an affront to you know their existence or is it just kind of like hey this is all good well you see the thing about that that i think and i I think that does piss them off um a lot of these big places do that uh eastern state pen which is the huge prison in philadelphia they do the same thing they do a haunted house this time of year i did i did go sorry to cut you off i i did go through that tour it wasn't a haunted tour but yeah that place was really fucking cool that place is great their haunted house is actually really good too we did that uh I think they did that like two years ago. They did a great job with it. Um, but we do kind of like as a group, like we've talked about it, my girlfriend and I, it, it, it's almost disrespectful to the spirits that are there. Like, hey, you're not good enough. We're going to throw in all this fake shit and bring people in and stir up your house. But on the flip side of that, we do understand why they do it. And that is so they can reinvest the, the quick buck that they make that month mm-hmm. back into the location. So it kind of is – it's a benefit. It's people aren't trying to line their pockets and get rich. They're trying to keep these places up and going. So we kind of look at it in a different light now that we've, you know, pulled back a little bit. Yeah. So it's kind of like a greater good thing because I mean, uh, looking at Waverly Hills, it opened in 1910. So I imagine it can't be easy, uh, to keep the, the upkeep and at least keep, you know, some of the stability of like a historic building like that. Right. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work. And that building is primarily a cement building, which is of benefit to them. Uh, and it costs almost, it costs about a million dollars to build that back in 1910. And they have – it's 200,000 square feet, five floors. And they've been slowly and methodically replacing all the windows from the ground floor as they work their way up. There's a lot of frigging windows in that place. There's a lot of work that goes into it. So they're, they're chipping away at it. And I believe – Tina that owns it. I, I think she bought it in like 2001, somewhere around there. And uh, they've been doing a lot of great work with it. And, you know, it's, it's nice to see people taking a part of history and preserving it instead of just tearing it down and building a bunch of shitty condos. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, horror movies. Um, does this industry or this line of work, does it ruin horror movies at all? Like, do you not get scared anymore when you watch, you know, a good horror movie? 
I, I fortunately I still get scared occasionally. I will say like I just watched um, Hell House LLC one and two, which were just I didn't know anything about it going in. I just was looking for a movie to watch. I watched the first one and I was so pleasantly pleased and blown away by it. Absolutely, it scared the hell out of me. It was a great movie. Um, some of the movies are better than others. I will say, being in the industry. I'm kind of fed up with like the Conjuring movies because I I've met Lorraine Warren a couple times. I've been to her house. I've seen the real Annabelle, mm-hmm. and I know the real stories. And the original Conjuring, the first one was friggin' awesome. Probably my favorite haunted house style movie there is. Really good. Um, I haven't seen the Nun yet because it's friggin' made up. It has nothing to do with them. That's not a, something that they actually did. It pisses me off. So I'm not in a rush to see it. The uh, first Annabelle movie, they made all that up. So I, I I don't know how I feel about some of them. Like even the Conjuring Two, I didn't really like that much. It it had its scares, but I thought it could have been better because yeah. I know the true story. So that's kind of my issue. I know too much, I guess. It take it does take away from it to answer your question. <laughs> so um, as far as the Warrens are concerned, I mean, if you've you've met her and stuff like that, do you feel like because some people try to call them out as like hack jobs? So what's your thought on that? You know, I think that that has to go with like the whole industry in general. Um, I think a lot of that for them was bad, bad rap at the time because it was such a new thing. No one else was doing that stuff back in the 60s and 70s and it was misunderstood. Now you can't turn on Discovery or Travel Channel without some ghost show on. So it's a lot more accepted now. But I I didn't get a chance to meet her husband. He passed away in uh, 06. That was before I had ever been down there. When I say she's the sweetest woman on earth, I mean that. She's like take the nicest grandmother you could ever possibly have and multiply it by 10 and that's Lorraine Warren such a beautiful person i don't think there's a chance in hell she would she would you know make up any of it she's a very kind hearted lady she's very uh, psychic and i i do believe them i believe them 100% yeah well i guess maybe on one level um it can be similar to uh, how some of these like we were just talking about how some of these places have like haunted houses because i'm sure I mean, well, I'm sure they're getting some, or she's getting something out of these movies, right? When they're using her characters, so maybe it is kind of for the greater good in some cases. Oh, they're getting paid, that's for sure. Yeah. They make money off, and, and you know what? You can't fault them. But uh, yeah, I do agree a bit uh, when they start getting. I did see the nun. Uh, I wasn't too impressed. I did like Annabelle Creation uh, a lot more than uh, the first Annabelle. And Conjuring Two, I agree because with the creation. The real Annabelle story, they don't know how it started. So them making up the story I was fine with because it was open for interpretation. Mm. Um, now, uh, is there anyone, I mean, I guess we kind of went over this a little bit, and I don't know if you want to make any enemies here, but is there anyone in the industry that you'd be like, uh, the, they're hacks. Th- those are the hacks right there. Uh, hacks? I mean, I... I don't think I see. I don't see anybody as hacks. I, I I see a lot of it that just is the, the Ghost Adventures guys. I I haven't met any of them yet. I've met Nick. He's not with them anymore. Nick's a really nice guy. Nick Groff. And it's not to say that they're hacks. I think a lot of it is just so trumped up for entertainment value now that it's kind of getting lost. Yeah. And even that, I don't really blame on them. I blame more on for them the Travel Channel because it's ratings. Now I don't know if you saw um, Zach's. Uh, documentary Demon House that was really good and that was his own thing and that's more how he likes to present and do stuff he's more of a documentary style versus the production the overproduced TV show that he works on so in terms of the people themselves they're really just 
the face of the show and the network is really the ones that are controlling how it's produced, how it's put out there. So I would more or less blame a network because at the end of the day, it's all about money and I totally get that. Um, but yeah, I can't think of any people offhand. I haven't met anybody that I was like, oh, that, that guy sucks. This girl sucks. <laughs> There's a few people that I couldn't care less about, but I'm not going to put them on blast. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess looking at it real quick, because Ghost Adventures has 191 episodes, and it's kind of like, yeah, you got to keep churning them out, you know? Uh, So at a certain point, it's like, all right, we need a new episode. On to the next location. And like you said, a lot of those are, they're at a location for two to three days, and then you get to cut it down to 20 to 30 minutes or what have you. So you get to kind of spice it up a little bit. Yeah, it's just a highlight reel at the end of the day. That's all That's all these episodes of TV are. And that was what I always enjoyed most about Ghost Hunters. People are like, oh, that show is boring. It's like, well, it's because it shows how it really is. It's not always exciting. Um, and, I mean, I don't know. if Have you run into uh, cat people? Uh, is cat people a known legend at all that you've ever heard of? It sounds eerily familiar, but I don't know anything of it. The only reason why I ask, and this is a story I've told on uh, this show before, but... Uh, you know Pat Spencer. Uh, Pat Spencer actually lived out here for a little bit with us. And okay. one late night, we went to this. There's this kind of secluded area that had this uh, trailer just in the middle of the desert. And a big sign, it said, like, Old Miller's Bee Farm. And I guess it used to be a bee farm. And there's all these, uh, you know, legends about it. So in the middle of the night, of course, we're up partying. We're like, we got to go to the bee farm. So my brother and myself... And Pat Spencer, we drive over there and like there's this little like not like a just like a regular, uh, you know, front yard fence, not like a big chain link fence or anything like that. So we have to like hop that and we're heading towards the bee farm. And then there's this other broken down trailer like in the front of it. And as we're walking up, we're kind of spooked already. We're a little we're already a little scared and we're getting closer and closer to the bee farm door. And then we hear from inside And I guess it could have just been like a tweaker or something, but it didn't sound human. And it also didn't sound like a cat, but it was like a cat noise. We just hear like, like one of those. And there was like almost like a flash of light in the distance. So, of course, we just started running away. And then as I'm running away, Pat Spencer falls down behind me. And I turn around, I see him fall, but it's like, see you later, dude. You know, uh, (laughs) fight or or flight. Yeah. And, you know, we rushed back in the car. Pat did eventually make it. He didn't get taken by the cat people. So I just wasn't sure if there was some sort of legend of the cat person. I've I've honestly heard of something similar to that, um, but I don't know enough on it to really touch upon it. But there there is so much lore out there and legends. Like one of the things that we have in New England, I don't know if you ever heard of a, uh, a puck wedgie. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not sure. So a Pukwudgie is actually a Native American spirit that was never a human spirit. It's uh, what's considered an elemental. So it's of the earth. And what the belief with these is, is that they were originally, they're about two to three feet tall. And I, I can only kind of picture them as like, almost like trolls or something like that. But they were originally created, so to speak, as to help humans uh, back in the day. I don't know the exact time frame. They actually originated in Cape Cod with uh, whatever tribe was big down there. And after a time, they became very mischievous. So now they're more of a mischievous spirit that will follow people around. And I've actually seen one a few times in different places in my life. So I have one that pops up from time to time, but I've never seen it full on. It's always out of my peripheral. And it's about 
you know, halfway up my thigh. So probably two and a half, three feet tall, like a little black shadow that just darts out of sight. Jeez. And you just never know this with all the lore that's out there. It's, it's even just like Bigfoot, like what, there's no reason Bigfoot couldn't exist. Yeah. Just haven't seen one. There's no reason it can't be out there. You know, it's just, we haven't found it if it does. Oh, and one thing I did see on one of your pages, uh, which I only have a, a passing reference to, um, is the Bridgewater triangle in like Hockamock swamp. Like what, yeah. what are some of the, the legends there with like the Bridgewater triangle? It's a Massachusetts thing for people that don't know. So the Bridgewater Triangle is like uh, it's a it's a 200 square foot area. I mean, I guess you'd say triangular square foot area. Yeah. It goes from Fairhaven, Massachusetts, over to Rehoboth, and then the point of the triangle is actually Ames Knoll State Park in Abington. And there has been reports of pretty much everything out there. Um, so up in the Abington area, there was back in the 70s a giant dog that was seen by by a bunch of different policemen that they chased down the railroad tracks down by Summer Street. And in Ames Knoll State Park, there's been reports of cryptids, anything from Bigfoots, uh, Big Feet. I don't know how you <laughs> even call that, but whatever. Um, Thunderbirds, which were giant, you know, prehistoric birds that the Native Americans believed in, giant Native Americans. And these are all things that have been reported throughout the whole triangle, as well as UFOs. And it's basically considered a paranormal hotbed. Um, and there's no real. We don't, I don't know if there's a reason why that whole area is so concentrated, but down at the Freetown area, there's the Freetown State Forest, and there was a lot of Satan, like hardcore satanic worshiping going down down there, and there's a lot of reports of some uh, dark entities down there. It's for, for whatever reason, it's that general consensus area. We don't, I don't know the answers to why that okay. is. I haven't looked into it enough, but we've done some live investigating out in the Hockamock Swamp, and it's an eerie place. We've heard some noises that kind of like your cat people thing it's not human but it's not animal at the same time now is the hockamock swamp is that supposed to be kind of towards the center or is there, is there a reason why that's kind of one of the more particular places to go the hockamock swamp is basically the epicenter of the whole thing and it's something like almost seventeen thousand acres of swamp it's huge and we just went in obviously we went into a little tiny portion of it because there's so many different areas that you can go into it from but um for some reason, that is the epicenter, and everything kind of radiates out from it, and no one seems to know why. Hmm. And um, I guess do you have uh, do, do have you ever? I guess you have said you had moments where you had to kind of take off, but usually you're by yourself, but never leaving anyone behind, huh? Like I did. Uh, I'm trying to think if I left anybody behind. Um, well, one thing that happened to us when we were in the Hockamock Swamp. Actually, I was just talking to somebody about this last night. We were doing a live ghost hunt last October in conjunction with uh, Spooky South Coast, which is a radio program in Southern Mass. We, we were out in conjunction with a bunch of other different ghost hunting groups within the Bridgewater Triangle, and we chose Hockamock Swamp. So it was myself, my girlfriend, and one of our other teammates, and we were just out in the middle of nowhere investigating. And, and you know, we were hearing some weird noises. Like I said, it didn't make much sense. And then at one point we heard definite humans off in the distance. So like, oh, what the hell? You know, there's people out here. And my girlfriend kind of starts bugging out a little bit. And as we're getting closer to a path, they're also getting closer to a path. And they're getting loud. And she's freaking out a little bit. And this dude just comes running around the corner screaming at us. I mean, he was probably 22, 21 years old, hammered out of his mind. Like trips on his own feet, falls over. My girlfriend's like scared that we're going to die. And I'm like, dude, it's just a kid. Like we used to do this stuff, you know. It just happened to be a bunch of kids out there doing the same thing we were. And we kind of 
took a couple of them with us on the investigation, showed them what we were doing. But uh, didn't leave anyone behind that night, but she wanted to leave. She was not happy about that situation. Yeah. Um, now, uh, real quick backtrack to what we were talking about before, like potentially bringing it home uh, uh, from the locations. Because you, you have kids or you have a kid, right? Yeah, I have a daughter. She's eight. Now, is there ever any fear of like it's – I mean, it's not something where you bring like a haunt home. It's like you said, it's just more of like a paranormal hangover. But is there any fear of like affecting your kids? Cause I know that's like a – uh, haunted uh, house movie trope. So I don't know if that's ever something you worry about in real life. Well, I didn't until it actually happened. Um, so obviously I met my girlfriend. She'd been in, in the industry for a little while and what have you, but she has a, um, a pretty good sized collection of what we refer to as enchanted objects. I don't like the term haunted objects. Like the Annabelle doll, yeah, that's probably haunted because of the energy that comes off of it. Mm-hmm. I prefer the word enchanted. Basically, you know, it's physics and energy can't be created or destroyed. It just moves on. So the way I see it, the way a lot of us see it is that I have a lot of haunted shit in my house that we have brought in over the course of our dating and that we display. And we have a lot of creepy old dolls and people get bugged out by them. I just think it's energy from the people that loved them so much. And it's not a bad thing. I never felt anything negative within my house. But one day my girlfriend brought over these paintings that she had had in storage that she had gotten in the trash. Someone was throwing them away, which now I know why, but she brought them in here one day and my daughter and I got home and we're just looking at them like, Oh, it's kind of, you know, kind of weird. They were just some weird cubist art style, big black eye painted people. And you know, they look weird. I, I just didn't, I didn't know about them. And that night, just, you know, sleeping, whatever. I get up in the middle of the night to take a piss like I do almost every night at 3 a.m. It just happens. And I go in the bathroom and there's like a a marble-sized ball of light just kind of swirling around the toilet and then zooms out by me. So I'm just, you know, in my sleep, I'm just like, oh, it's just a reflection from the, from the window or something. No, I don't have any windows in my bathroom, so it couldn't have been that. But when you're half asleep, you just tell yourself that. And yeah. Went back into bed. I saw it swirling around out by the front window in the living room. So I was like, ah, that's what it was. It was a car. Went to bed. I get up the next morning and uh, my daughter goes, "Uh, I couldn't sleep last night. I said, what do you mean? She goes, there was a demon standing at my bed staring at me and and talking to me. I said, what are you talking about? And she described it and it wound up looking just like one of the djinn from the the grudge, like this little Asian boy with black hair, black, big black oval eyes. And she's telling me this story, and I'm like freaking out for it because I would <laughs> shit myself if I saw that. I ain't ready for that, you know what yeah, I mean? Like I like hunting these things to see shit. anything like that, dude. You know, yeah. so she's telling me this, and she's like, and I couldn't yell, I couldn't get your attention, so she's like, I forced myself to go back to bed, and I said, Wow, Jesus, I'm so sorry. And she's like, Oh, I woke up again, and I I looked over towards the bathroom, and I started standing in the door, and all I could see was this big shadow. It filled the door. And, I'm like, so then I'm thinking like what I probably saw when I went to the bathroom was I probably saw it in its energy source, in its energy form where she could see it as a shadow. Mm. And I probably startled it and sent it on its way. But uh, I got up the next, when I was talking to her, I said, well, I want you to draw what you saw and write everything out. So she's drawn the pictures out and it is spooky just looking at these pictures. And uh, so I said to my girlfriend, we got to get rid of these fucking paintings. And (laughs) I talked to her later that day. She's like, oh, you know, I was in the living room and I heard them kind of, they were leaning against the counter in the kitchen. And she said, oh, they were just flapping a little bit off the counter. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, as if you picked them up and they just leaned back on their own and they kept doing it. She'd go to try and record it and it would stop. I was like, dude, get them out of my house. You know, so she brought them down in the basement. They've stayed down there. I don't fucking go down there anymore. I'm good. Like, 
We're going to bring them to one of our cons, and I don't even want to drive with these things. I'm afraid they're going to kill me. So that's the only scary thing that's ever happened in, in the house um, yeah. that bugged me out. And I feel bad for her because she was really bugged out, as anyone should be. But she's good now. Yeah, I mean, that's like the, um, you know, they have like threads online of like creepy stuff my kids said to me. And, you know, for kids, it's it's scary, but it's not quite as scary. It is definitely like scarier to hear it as an adult <laughs> for whatever reason. Okay. <laughs> uh, supposed uh, to be real. That's why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I guess we're kind of winding down here. Almost done. Uh, this is another question. I'm sorry. We do ask everyone this question. So I do have to ask you this when it comes to porno. Do you prefer a storyline or gonzo like scene, scene, scene? Oh, dude, the hell with the storyline. Who needs? Who has time for that? This day and age, too old for storylines. Yeah. There's no like ghost hunter theme. I, I mean, I'm sure there is a ghost hunter theme. Well, uh, now that you mention, I've never looked for that, so maybe I'll get myself back into storylines. Yeah. <laughs> and I could be uh, maybe that's my next business venture right there. There you go. I, I've, uh, that's like a million dollar idea if it's not already done, but it, it must be done. I'm pretty sure everything's been done for porn. Um, well, if it hasn't been done yet, Jim and them will be the producer's <laughs> credit on that one. Absolutely. And the last thing here as well, something we always have everyone do, I just want you to go ahead and give a message to all your haters. Oh, all the haters. You can uh, sit back, sip the lemonade, because I'm coming through. I'm going to take over the industry anyways, one way or another. I'll be on TV pissing everybody off sooner than later. <laughs> and I'll be taking all your ticket money, because everyone's going to want to come and hang out with me on my events and rock and roll with Paranormal Expeditions instead of you. Oh hell yeah! What a way to uh, nice way to break it down. So now, uh, I I I didn't even realize like I, when you were talking about like events and stuff. Like I knew you, you you said how you do like speaking engagements. I didn't even realize it was like going to some of these locations. So people out there, keep an eye on paranormal expedition expeditions. Yep. Okay, it's in the name. I don't know why I didn't pick it up. Uh, paranormal expeditions on all the social uh, media. Uh, keep an eye out on the next event. Seems like it'd be a great time. Yeah, we make it fun. We can guarantee you a good time. That's about it. But you'll have fun with us, and you'll learn something, too. Hey, well, thanks for uh, taking some time out. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me, dude. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>